Today's episode was going to be mostly, like, sexy schadenfreude. Oh. But it's, but I, I feel like it's going to be sexy schadenfreude with a um, chaser of depression. <laughs> sounds like my perfect cocktail. Yeah. It sounds like 2023, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. Mm. But you know what? You know what, Kat? You know what I got? What do you got? I got some fucking cake. Why do you have cake? Because my mom sent me three individual bunt cakes. Phenomenal. She thought that they were, technically they were labeled as um, um, individual bunt cakes. Uh, however, so my mom thought they were like the size of like a, like a cupcake. Bless her. Um... But they're more like the size of a Costco muffin. And... Mm. So quite large. And so now I have three of them in my refrigerator. And this is the first one I've had. This is a this is a red velvet, red velvet baby. It is from Nothing Bunt Cakes. Um, Excellent. And it does make my mom laugh because um, every time she sees a bunt cake, we are reminded of our favorite film, which is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Um, it's a bunt. The, bunt. <laughs> the bunt. Bu- bunt cake. And then when they come out with the flower in the middle, it's great. Hey, Modi, it's a cake. Ah, oh, cake! <laughs> ah! Why is there a hole, a hole in the in middle the of the cake? <laughs> so, so you know what? You're Greek. I thought, hey, I'm Hell honoring yeah. you. Thank you. With a, I with appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, it's depressing as shit right now. So I need cake. Yeah, it's it's been a hard news week, man. It's been a hard news three years. Q1 was really hard. It was really bad. It was really bad. Well, Kat. Hi, welcome to the Kingdom of Thrones podcast. My name is Abigail Kelly. You're Kat. (laughs) I have cake in my mouth. I also got a cup of tea in my Nothoff National Park mug. So I'm all set. I don't know about you, though. I have coffee in my Jumping Frogs cup. (gasps) Do you know that it's National Frog Month? National Frog Month. I have some romance novels I could recommend you. Oh my god, please do, because you know we're doing a frog display. And a <laughs> well, frog we're doing window. a frog display. Oh my god. Yes. I love it. I should be focusing on uh National Poetry Month, but uh, no. Who needs poetry? It shall be frogs instead. No one needs poetry. Alright. Okay. So let's start this thing. Um, so last time that you and I did an episode together, you and me, not with Allie and Brendan, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you recall, but it was the PRH versus this butt episode. Oh, yeah. That was where we talked one. about the case against, uh, uh, Penguin Random House. They were trying to acquire Simon and Schuster. Indeed. Um, and they were going to trial over over this. And it was a huge, honestly, kind of no other way to put it than publishing embarrassment. 
Um, left, right, and center. Seriously. No one came out of it looking good in the publishing industry, except for, of course, uh, authors. Authors looked fine. Um, but the actual publishing industry looked terrible, which isn't a surprise, I think, to anyone who knows anything about publishing. Nope. That shouldn't but, be. Mm-mm, shouldn't be. Mm-mm, unless you're unless you're new. Uh, <laughs> then welcome. Welcome. <laughs> Everything's on fire. It has been on fire for decades. <sighs> so, Kat, what do you remember about the case? Man, I remember you giving me some great little juicy tidbits mm-hmm. about how the... I do like juicy bits. Oh, God, one of my favorite things... Because I wasn't really um, following the trial, but you told me that the CEO of PRH guessed... Mm-hmm. Wait, what was the ridiculous number he said that everyone made? Like 100000 in advance? Like 250000 <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I love that you brought him up because there's been some development. So this is going to oh. be like a meeting cake. Um, this is going to be like a, a PRH versus this but continued because we're going to okay. talk about what happened. So we're a little bit late in that the ruling came down in November. Yeah. Um, but uh, a lot of things have happened. In the past couple of months since since then, and, and I wanted to do a follow-up, but I didn't really feel like it was a whole episode because it would just be me gloating, really. But since <laughs> since the ruling has come down, um, I thought it would be interesting to talk about, like, the other things that have happened. Not necessarily directly related, but some of them may be directly related. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Um, but basically, this guy, Dole, this is his last name. I think his name was, first name is Michael. I don't really remember. I don't particularly care about him. Um, but his really famous quote, the one thing that he said on the stand, who's the CEO of Penguin Random House. Um, he is a veteran, a, a multi-decade veteran of the publishing industry, pretty widely respected within the industry for whatever that means. Um, mm-hmm. You mean by his uh, employees? Yeah, yeah, by his employees and or, you know, by the other people who are, uh, you know, in the same tier as him, shall we say. Which is, as we'll learn, a very tight-knit little group of people. Um, as I think, you know, all uh, multi-million dollar, multi-billion dollar CEOs tend to be. They all, no matter their public differences, secretly meet in the same rooms. Because um, the they all like money. Island. Plotting world yeah. domination. Exactly. But the most famous quote, he so he got on the stand and he got fucking eviscerated. I still don't, when you were like, he got on the stand, my brain was like, what, what, who let him do that? They they basically, they put everyone on the stand. Everyone was called up. All of the CEOs, um, the CFOs, authors, agents. This was a like full scale dismantling of the publishing infrastructure from top to bottom. Oh, so it wasn't it wasn't his choice. Okay, great. I was like, I don't, don't believe it was his choice. No, <laughs> please, no. Um, it's just I a mean, PR disaster. I think he probably could have like pled the fifth or whatever. But then again, you know, here's the deal. These people fully as it comes to comes out right. These people fully believed in what they were doing and what yeah. they were saying. Um. 
Now, to us, it sounds completely insane and out of touch. To them, though, in their little insulated bubble of extreme wealth and at the very, very tippy, 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 tippy top of the publishing industry, um, yeah, it all made sense to them. They're like, of course, we're doing the right things. And no quote emphasized that that point better than... Now, this is from uh, a Publishers Weekly article, which has a huge, wonderful breakdown of this entire thing. There's a page just of article after article that breaks down the entire post-trial, pre-trial, all of it. And I will link that in the notes. But this is from one of their articles where they talk about what he said on the stand. Great. Quote, I call it the Silicon Valley of media, Penguin Random House CEO Marcus Dole said. Oh, it's Marcus, not Michael. Um, referring to trade book publishing to Department, Ju- <laughs> Department of Justice attorney John Reed during roughly five hours of testimony on Thursday. Quote, we are angel investors in our authors and their dreams, their stories. That's how I call my editors and publishers. Angels. Ew. Oh. <laughs> and when Ew. that quote hit, people lost their minds. Um, there's even if you <laughs> no, if you look at it in the way of like the, the investor thing, which is how he was referring to it, it looks terrible. If you look at it in the sense that like they're they're little angels dusting little angel dust on people to make their dreams come true. Um, oh it's even god. worse. Oh god. <laughs> hmm Why? So I that's a good question. That's a good question. What it just idiot. I think it really just shows how violently out of touch a lot of I mean, not just the CEOs. I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of people are out of touch in this industry in general. Unfortunately, it like I don't I'm just surprised he said it out loud. But mm-hmm. a lot of people in this industry have this sort of like I don't even know how to describe it. Like air about them as though we're like single-handedly saving lives. <laughs> like our it's- creative endeavors are so important to the fabric of society we're the tastemakers we're the shakers yeah yes well it's the same i mean (laughs) that trickles all the way down to the folks who come into a bookstore who think they're very very important for being people who shop at bookstores oh yeah and listen i i love y'all i love the support but there is it swings real hard sometimes into folks feeling very very self-important because they are desperate for this imaginary clout that comes with say being a regular at an independent bookstore like there are some people who are very 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 invested in that um to the point of making themselves just not (laughs) not the bookseller's favorite shall we say (laughs) yeah there's there is a lot of that and a lot of um i feel like people who just read books you know, mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. that sense of superiority. And we've talked about it before where for a long time there was a sense of superiority of people who read books that were not genre books. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's a huge part of your podcast. These genres being mm-hmm. shamed. Um, mm-hmm. When really as a bookseller, you just want people to have a good time. <laughs> you know? It's it's not that deep, fam. A lo- it's not that deep. And this is also a generational thing. There is... I always hesitate because, like, on one hand, I want to be like, yes, advocate for for bookstores. And, you know, I I, I get very um, – I, I get a I, – it's uncomfortable for me as a bookseller seeing a lot of, you know, authors who – 
who have very strong gripes with books, bookstores and booksellers. And a lot of times will say some, let's be real, pretty mean stuff about them on the Internet to my virtual face. Yeah. Um, and that's and, you know, on one hand, I'm like, oh, hey, a lot of us are out here just trying our best, man. It's not that, you know, I'm sorry. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but on the other hand, I do get it. I do get it because the open hostility for a very, very long time and a lot of bookstores are run by jerks. They're yeah. run by jerks. <laughs> um, like that is I I absolutely I hate when people are like, oh my god. Every actually someone told me, I don't know if I've said this on air or not yet, but someone came up to me and was like, everyone who um, you know, works or owns a bookstore is an amazing person. And I'm like, no, they're not. No, they're no, not. They're not. There's some <laughs> no. there's some real dicks out there. <laughs> there's a, a huge amount of dicks. There are people who who are very invested in in the myth of being like the gatekeepers of culture? Yes. Um, and that's always going to be dangerous. These people are usually of an older generation and white. Um, yeah. And like that is there is a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. So I I always hesitate to be like you know maybe maybe don't you know kick your booksellers too much because like I do understand and I have met a lot of people who are not great. But I think it is a it is a symptom that of of a disease that is deep in the publishing industry, all the way up to the top here, um, which we see with this this dude who's making an insane amount of money, who's so completely out of touch with reality that he thinks that every author is making at least one hundred thousand dollars off of their book, which is fucking bananas. Um, I'm just <laughs> and then. Like, it's, like, it's the average advance. Yes, of course. Uh, a, a pittance of, a, of, of at least 100K. Is is that not enough for you? I'm imagining oh, all of the, like, moustache. like, biggest editors in New York just, like, dressed as angels, like, coming down from the heavens <laughs> and literally throwing pennies yeah. at authors. Like, throwing pennies from the top of the, the uh, Empire State Building. And dance, just, like, monkey, dance. Dance for me. Would you like a little breadcrumb, baby? Let me feed you from the palm of my hand like a little bird. But I'm going to need all ten chapters by tomorrow. Thank you. Oh, but I'm also going to need your audio rights. <laughs> okay, so Great. to break it down, in 2021, it was announced that um, Penguin Random House, the biggest publisher in the United States, one of the big five, which was the big six in 2019, to show how already we're, things have been contracting for a it's long time. Quick. Yeah. It's, it's going much faster. So... Um, one of the biggest of the big five publishers in the United States goes to buy Simon & Schuster, which is objectively a mess and has been a mess for a very long time. And it's been trying to get itself bought by somebody for, for a while. like ever. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I understandably, whatever. Okay. That's not really the issue. The issue is that Penguin Random House, once it purchased Simon & Schuster, would have a whopping 49% of market share. I just, I don't really have a comment for that. No, there's, I mean, there's not, like, and on one hand, like, of course they would want that. Of course, Simon & Schuster would want to be bought by them. Penguin Random House has the most resources, the most publicity. Like, they can write the ship, presumably. Yeah. Um, Like, that in itself, like, I get it. I, from a business perspective, 
it all makes sense. But from a consumer, from a creator perspective, um, basically what the Department of Justice alleged is that um, already the publishing industry is notorious for collusion and price fixing. And what they foresaw was that should this merger go through, um, it would absolutely tank competition. It would completely tank author income um, and would just ripple out into basically destroying the market for the authors, the people who are making this stuff. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that would get passed on, of course, to to the consumer eventually. But in the, in the immediate, uh, they they how the DOJ framed it was really interesting. They framed it as an immediate threat to authors' advances. Yeah, which was so smart. It was so smart because that in itself um, is its own little micro economy, and so they could really really hammer home how it would how it would uh, affect that because. Proving that it would irreparably harm the wider, um, you know, market is is quite an ask. Like, it, it seems obvious, but when asked to provide facts in a court of law, that would actually be quite an ask to do. But in the immediate, we can say, okay, of authors who make 2,500, or, sorry. Wow, my brain just, like, completely wiped out how to say numbers. <laughs> I have not had enough tea um, or cake. More tea, <laughs> more cake. 250,000 is what I was going to say. 200, yeah. 200, authors who make $250,000 or more advances. That is what they narrowed it down to. The really top earners. They were like, okay, if we make this our market, what would happen? Um, And they were able to successfully prove over the course of like a three-week trial that it would irreparably harm not only the wider industry, um, but also these specific authors. So fucking smart. Yeah. So smart. Tell the rich uh, they won't be rich anymore. Mm-hmm. Everyone will also, panic. You know, that if that they were able to prove that, like, okay, if these are the people who are making the most money and these are the people who are going to be harmed the most, these are also the people whose books make up the primary sales. They're they're, they're like the primary earners right. um for the year. So if that's the case, then like it all it all falls it all, apart. Yeah, it everything everything gets messed up. And they basically framed it as these authors would have, um, there'd be almost no competition in bidding anymore, despite the fact that Penguin Random House vowed to um, allow for inter-imprint bidding wars. <laughs> so within its own company, which is not a fucking thing. No, not, not not when you have like the same boss, guys. No. That's not how that no. works. Not when you're having lunch with these people. Like it's it's not going to, it's not going to do anything. Um, and, and they would also have like less option of, uh, like publicity, like they, less resources. Yeah. They would have less options to advocate for themselves. The publishers then came back and said, oh, well, you know, um, it'll, the agents will keep us in check. The agents negotiations will keep us in check, which is. Oh, please. (laughs) Oh, please. We don't, we can have a whole separate conversation on agents and then we should also do a separate one on publicists because please. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. They are just as beholden to these publishers yeah. as the authors are. This is, this is all, this is one ecosystem, you guys. We're yeah. all eating the same food and drinking the same water. It It's, it's absolutely true. So basically that it fell apart. There was no way. And 
as I predicted, and as most people predicted who were watching the, the uh, trial, the the judge was like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you really? Like, the, she was super professional. She was super, like, you know, objective. But every once in a while, she'd just kind of have, she'd have a little comment where she was just like, are you being serious right now? Did you just say that? I feel like they really didn't plan their defense at all and honestly didn't expect this to be a big deal. I think they were a little uh-huh. too confident. They were, well, because they're huge, right? And they thought, well, yeah. what are they going to do? Um, it's just books, but also it's books, you know? It's that, that fun little thing where it doesn't matter, but it definitely does matter, but it doesn't matter. Um, which is always fun. So basically, the ruling came down in November 2021 or 2022 that uh, in an 80-page, I think Publishers Weekly described it as a very economical 80-page ruling, just hilarious i mean i guess it could have been much longer but yeah i'm sure 80 pages um where she just destroyed the defense page by fucking page point by fucking point um well now and i do want to read that honestly i was reading some of it today it's pretty fucking choice she's very smart. i uh would it be great if they could just like print it it's a short print run i mean <laughs> a little pamphlet to have at the front pages. desk a nice little novella, yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of like they do whenever those like huge congressional reports come out, and they're exactly. just like, yeah, it's just, yeah. Except those are like a thousand pages long. Or like Penguin has the the Great Ideas series where they're like small, mm-hmm. like really well. Just do a little hardcover for me. Yeah, I want to. I want to read this. Uh, this judge just absolutely destroyed them. <laughs> This makes me feel good. And so this was like, this was great, right? Um, It was, you know, it was cited that already publishers have been clearly colluding um, to do things like fix audiobook uh, rights acquired stuff. Um, Basically, the the judge cited that um, there was this one particular case where an agent went to the big five with like a big, big blockbuster deal. And withheld audiobook rights so that the author would be able to sell those individually and diversify their income. And they all agreed not to bid on the book without the audiobook rights. Wait, do we know who it is? I They didn't say. My guess is it's confidential. Oh, the agent was forced to withdraw and then <gasps> resubmit with the audiobook rights. Oh, wow. I so it's clear. Like, this is obvious. This is... It's 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 audacious. It's just this is just what they do, and good luck trying to stop them. Um, and they, if it sounds like they're super villains, it's because a little bit they are. Yeah, a little bit. Again, we have this this mm-hmm. aura of I am doing this job for the greater of humanity. Yeah, they put out another Mike Pence autobiography. I I feel like. A little part of me is curious to see how this compares to like our like television and movie industry, because obviously oh. they're becoming very few very quickly. But if people were yeah. to look a little bit more at books, like they do about other entertainment, I don't know. Well, I mean, just I saw today that Netflix is being ordered to pay like thirty-four million dollars in residuals, unpaid residuals to writers. Oh my god, I did see that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. So, like, this shit is happening all over the place. Yeah. This is not new. Corporations have been bilking the people who make their stuff for 
a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not new. We've had robber barons. We've had steel magnates. We've had railroad barons. We, 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 we've been new. Um, this is why we have laws like the Sherman Antitrust Act, why we have the Clayton Act. Like, we have these things, um, at least in America. And honestly, the, the problem with these, of course, is that it usually takes a really, really, really big case to get the government to step in. Yeah. Um, which is good that they do eventually, of course. But in the meantime, until it gets to that point, everyone's getting the shit kicked out of them. Um, and then the people at the top are getting much richer every single day. Um, so something that that when I was reading it, I, I one of the reasons I decided to do the episode this way was because I was reading it. I was reading the ruling. And one of the things that kept being cited again and again and again was this case that I had never really heard of. I think I might have seen one thing about it once a long time ago, which was the um, Apple ebook price fixing case of the 2010s. Yes. Yep. Um, and I guess I knew like the basic facts. Like you can you can pretty much glean, mm-hmm. you know, what happened there. But one of the things that was uh you know, another evidence of like clear collusion here between these was not only this one um, case with the audiobook rights, but the the judge laid out like, okay, also you all simultaneously, apparently on your own, decided to split royalty payments from what was once two payments to four. So you don't have to pay writers before the book actually goes out. Right. Okay. And you yeah. all claim that you did it independently because of the pandemic. But that's fucking bullshit. Of course that's bullshit. So, on top of that, she okay. said, okay, so if writers can't diversify their income because they can't sell audiobook rights independently. Right. They also are getting their advances cut into four to the point where it's not advanced anymore because you're not getting the last couple of payments until after the book fucking comes out, which is two years down the road. Okay. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. top of that, mm-hmm. ebook price fixing. Yep. Um, so in 2010-ish, Apple was really pushing hard to sell its ebook buying platform alongside its new fancy um, iPad situation. It was trying to push on everybody. They wanted to make it the new e-reader, right? Um, and they, I read this really interesting article about, it. I'll link, link it in the, the thing, but basically it laid out how they wanted to be able to sell, um, price matched eBooks, but Amazon had recently unveiled this new direct to consumer, um, royalty pricing program for authors where they offered a 70% royalty option on eBooks. Whoa. Yes. So they were offering ebooks for like $9.99, plus the author gets 70%. Apple was offering ebooks at what the publisher price was, which was like $14.99, like the price of the physical book. Right. Which, in comparison, like, what? Of course, people are going to go with Amazon no. then, right? Yeah. Um, of course, authors are going to go with Amazon because of this, this um, royalty platform. Okay. So. Steve Jobs <laughs> calls up Rupert Murdoch and says, hey, who, who owns Hachette, by the way, um, he goes, hey, like, we're, we're trying to do this thing. Like, what's going on? What proceeds to happen in this case is revealed that over 100 phone calls were exchanged between all of these publishers trying to work on this deal. 
and over the course of like a week and several, several lunches in a row where all these people got together privately to come to Amazon and say, no, we're offering our books for full market price. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, okay. Mm-hmm. So if you wonder why on Amazon, a lot of the books from traditional publishers, if you try and get them on ebook, a lot of the time they're fucking expensive as shit. You're like, why is ebook $17.99 when I, th- that's the price of the hardcover. Like that's the price of the, the, the paperback. Like what I, I'm, what, how good, that's insane. Um, I'm, mm-hmm. so, I'm just having, I'm having so many thoughts. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I'm trying to take it all in because obviously right? I don't think of ebooks at all. But why? Mm-hmm. It's not. That's just a dumb decision. If someone wants a physical copy, they're willing to pay more, you know, like and there's there's paper costs. You're just. it, it And it's also, mind you, it is something that, you know, I don't think people really thought of at the time that this conversation was happening. But now we think of it because of things like the HBO Max uh, culling. Right. Yeah. People are realizing now something that they probably should have realized a while ago which is that nothing on the internet is permanent you might buy an ebook you don't own that ebook no it could disappear in a second you're renting it until it's just gone forever until it's gone yeah um unless you like download it onto your computer and you know strip it of its drm and shit like don't do that but like you that's the only way and even then (laughs) good luck like I, you know, like that that may not even be yours forever anyway. Your, your computer could die. Yeah, you never um, know what's going to happen. That's why it's so, so stupid. You should be pricing ebooks cheaper just for the fear fact that they aren't forever like real books are. Mm-hmm, like, don't, mm-hmm, don't talk mm-hmm. down to your consumers. Wow. Fascinating. But they want it, but they, they price fixed. Yeah. And it went to, it went to court and the publishers settled out of court Apple did not. Apple took it all the way to court. Damn. Um, yeah. And they lost. So is this Apple versus Amazon, technically? I, you know, I'm not actually, I, it was a little unclear to me. I think it was Apple versus the Department of Justice, too. But it was gotcha. like a, yeah, it, it was, it was a little unclear. Um, it's a very complicated case. There was a lot going on, a lot of moving pieces. Um, I can't yeah. believe Apple, like, acquiesced to their request. <laughs> Well, I mean, what did they do to do that? That's what I'm wondering. It's bad. I mean, it's bad. Like they had Steve Jobs literally said in a press conference, like he made a comment where he was like, oh, they're going to be fixing that soon. He said in public that he admitted that he knew exactly what was going on, that he was having conversations behind the scenes with these people to fix the price. Don't you have lawyers? Maybe consult them. Maybe don't be an arrogant asshole for two seconds and think before you fucking speak. But then again, that's impossible for these people. Yeah, no, seriously. I'm just, see, what I'm wondering now is Amazon, as you said, clearly clearly is keeping their uh, ebook prices high. So Mm -hmm. what did the publishers promise them that we don't know? Well, you know, there's a lot of really interesting stuff there because there's also... Um, this practice of windowing, which is to say when uh, most of the time now a book comes out, the ebook is available right away. Um, however, there are two ways to window. Window means that certain things are different for a window of time. Okay. So some publishers will release the book and then wait a window of time 
to release the ebook right. to increase demand. Other publishers, most of them at this point, release the ebook simultaneously, but for a specific window of time, usually until about the paperback comes out, which is the same, you know, like the time is about a year typically, they will keep the price at uh, very, very high until then. Interesting. So there's a lot going on and they all have different sort of deals. Um, yeah. And this led me to. We're getting into the depressing part. <laughs> this wasn't already the depressing part, Abigail? <laughs> well, this is more like, well, they, they went to court, you know, like they got their, you know, they got their licks a little bit, um, which is more than normal. Uh, but the 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 part that that got me here was because there is. God, I hesitate to even broach this topic because it is so fucking fraught. But recently, the Internet Archive oh, um, yeah. court case. Basically, to, to break it down in the simplest terms, this could be a, an entire podcast series, um, which I am not equipped to do. So I will give you the bare facts here. Um, the Internet Archive is a an online library, independent online library, that um, scanned physical books and created their own ebooks to lend out. And... Th- that is a, a loophole in the ebook system, right? Yeah. Um, because if you don't know how a library works, a digital library or physical library, whatever it is, they buy directly from the publishers most of the time. Mm-hmm. So um, they are not making their own ebooks, like obviously, they, they buy them. And we're going to get into what that is in a second. Um, but publishers have their own terms. Every single publisher has their own terms with libraries for how they lend out ebooks and how they they um, sell ebooks. I should say. Well, lend is actually probably a more accurate term here. Yeah. Um, but Internet Archive, which is you know a, a internet thing run by I believe volunteers. <laughs> it's it's a it's so fucking fraught, dude. I'm, like, I'm trying to be so careful. It's so fraught. Um, they basically, they couldn't afford to pay, you know, the exorbitant prices or agree to the terms that a normal publisher offers right. for the lending of their ebooks. Um, I don't know all the facts there. I, I assume they asked, but they might not have. Um, yeah. And so in, in, um, in an effort to get these books onto the Internet so people could borrow them, they simply did what you can do with modern technology, which is buy the physical book. And scan it and make their own ebook. Um, they are, you know, they purchased the book. They did. They did. They did. And and it's not technically illegal. No. <laughs> right? Um, but it went to court. The publishers were like, you can't do that. You need to buy the ebooks from us. And they lost. And they're appealing it, and it's probably gonna be a much bigger fight. Um, but yeah, that's where we're at. It's fascinating. Some fascinating stuff there. I remember reading you, a bit about it. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking, it's brutal, dude. It's fucking brutal. And so I didn't know much about how, um, how libraries acquire ebooks. Like I, I assumed that they probably bought the books for an upcharge right probably because because if they're going to be giving them to more people and like i assume like they're you know 
it's not it's probably not cheap but also like the terms are probably all generally the same you think they'd give them well you're probably gonna answer this but my question has always been there's a certain allotted number of digital copies they have at one time yeah okay oh, bud. we are gonna go into this Cool. We're going to get into this. Um, so <laughs> I want to preface this by saying we're in a really fucking wild time with libraries right now. We're in the season of attacking libraries. And this ruling, while there are, there's a lot to be discussed about book piracy and its effect on, you know, at the end of the at the end of the day, authors. Yeah. Right. Not just these these big publishers, but, a, you know, there's a lot. I myself have had my books pirated. It's not fucking fun. Um, however, in the broader sense, books being available in libraries is a good thing. And um, <laughs> I, it is, this is a, this is a court case that makes it much easier for publishers to retain control of stuff that we have now discussed for a half an hour. They should not have a fucking control of. Because clearly... They're, they're they're doing some shifty shit. Yeah. Um, and the authors are not seeing that profit. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's bad all the way around. Yeah. Um, and so I looked into, I was like, okay, well, uh, how do like official libraries, how do they acquire ebooks? What is the general cost? Because I saw a tweet that was like ages ago that was like when discussing this and it said something something like you know well it's hard for for libraries if you wonder why not every library has like every ebook it's because a lot of the ebooks they have they have to purchase for like four times the market price and i was like fuck it that can't be that can't be correct um oh no i think <laughs> i know where this is going <laughs> oh no <laughs> So let's just run through a couple of the big ones, huh? Okay. So I have a I have an article that runs through the major, uh, the the major publishers and how they specifically sell ebooks to libraries. Oh God. Do you want? Where do you want to start? Where, do you, what, where? Who do you want to start with? Ooh. Okay. Let's leave Pierre's to the end. Let's start with. Okay. Let's start with a good uh, middle ground. Let's start with Harper. Oh, okay. Let me find Harper. Ah, there it is. HarperCollins is owned by Rupert Murdoch's News Corporation. <laughs> the publisher implemented a 26 loan system in 2011, and once an ebook has been loaned out 26 times, libraries must repurchase the title. The cost of the ebook is the exact same as the hardcover print edition, so libraries are not paying extra like they are with Hachette. They're just paying for the hardcover. But every time. Again and again and again and again and again. Every time. That's uh-huh. disgusting. Great. Uh-huh. Let's take it to an even lower level. Yes, I am talking about Hachette. Oh, please do okay. tell me what Hachette has done this time. Um, I think I said Hachette was owned by Rupert Murdoch earlier. Sorry, it's Harper. Um, Hachette's owned by some French company. I don't know. Um, You're not company... doing it well, French company. Well, I don't know. none of them are. So <laughs> <laughs> the bar's fucking low. Um, the company has numerous publishing groups, but most of the ebooks and digital audiobooks produced by Hachette Digital are based primarily on books published by Grand Central Publishing, Little yeah. Brown Company, Orbit, and Little Brown for Young Readers, blah, 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 blah. Hachette simultaneously releases the ebook with the print edition, um, 
And each title that libraries purchase can be loaned out an unlimited number of times under a one-copy, one-use system. The initial price that libraries pay is three times the primary physical book price. One year after publication, the purchase price will drop to one and a half times the primary book price. So they're charging the library three times what it is. Mm-hmm. Is it? But it's unlimited? But it, it is apparently unlimited, but only one book per uh, per borrow. So if they're like if it was a physical book in the library, one person can check it out, another person can't. Despite the fact that it is an e-file that multiple people could read at the same time. Yes. And they'd in order for two people to be reading at the same time, they need to buy two editions. What the fuck, Hachette? Mm-hmm. It's slightly less evil than the like after a certain number of reads, they have to buy it again at over market price, but 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 not by much. Oh boy. Who do you want next? Um, well, let's do uh, Simon. Let's do Simon, baby. Oh, let me just find Simon. Mm-hmm. Simon & Schuster is a division of CBS Corporation. Imprints include Simon & Schuster, Atria, Free Press, Gallery Books, Pocket Books, and Scribner. Children's division includes Aladdin paperbacks, Athenium books for young readers, Little Simon, so on and so forth. Yep. Simon & Schuster has different terms for their frontlist and backlist ebook titles. A frontlist title has a 12-month term before it has to be repurchased and adhere to the one-copy, one-user system. Each book can be loaned out on an unlimited number of times during this period. Popular trade titles appear to be mainly in the $20 to $30 range with lower prices for romance. Hey. That's fucked up. Backlist titles range in price, but don't really sell for more than a paperback. Backlist books also can be kept in the system for two years before they have to be repurchased. So these are time sensitive, so you can only have them for a certain amount of time. Um, Wait, so you have to buy... You have, you have to, to rebuy them every year, essentially. Rebuy them every year, and you still can only buy one at a time. Yeah. This is insane. Mm-hmm. I don't understand you- how libraries have been able to keep up now, because they couldn't afford to buy physical copies and ebook copies, and there's a demand mm-hmm. for both. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. just taking this all in. Yeah, I know it's I'm really like saying I, the obvious, but fuck I also me. like I read it. I was reading it. I had to read it like four times. I was like, I how can this all be? This is horrible. It's 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 pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Do you want to do who's next? Macmillan? Oh, yeah. Let's do Macmillan. Let's see what you're up to, Macmillan. Um, so Macmillan is owned by a Verlags group of Georg von Holtzbrink. <laughs> There's a lot going on there. Of Stuttgart, Germany. Uh, American imprints include Ferro Books, Garo, Henry, Henry Holton Company, mm-hmm. W.A. Treeman, Worth Publishers, yada, yada, yada. Um, Macmillan backlist titles are available in the one copy, one user lending model for two years or 52 checkouts. Um, library Libraries pay on average $25 per title. Uh, Macmillan does not make available most of their frontless titles for libraries for fear it will cannibalize their sales. Uh, (laughs) Tor used to make all of their frontless titles available, but recently scaled back after sales started to decrease. Some Macmillan imprints do release all of the frontless ebooks to libraries, such as books from their children's publishing imprint. So, all over the fucking place. So literally, Tor also, who is... At this point, Macmillan, a huge portion of your profit, you're just going to yeah. make unavailable to people. Great. I'm sure that's going to go over well. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you can blame your drop in profits to libraries. Yeah. Makes sense. Wow. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm a little shocked at you, McMillan. I'm not fucking shocked. Sure. These fucking corpos out here. I mean, I, I think we both know I imagined three specific publishers to be <laughs> the most Uncle Scroogey out of all of them. Here's what's fucked up is that PRH is maybe the best. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucked up, dude. Um, Hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it's all like they're all bad. Like they're all, no, they're they're all, all bad. I think that it is the most egregious, the one where it's like 26 times, because that is so few. That is so few. That's I insane. have che- I, I know personally that I've gone back and checked out ebooks from the San Francisco Public Library three or four times, like the yeah, same that ebook me, to go back and reread it. It makes me feel horrible now because I basically am like, oh, I literally cost the library money from just doing something I didn't even know was costing them money. Or I checked out a book and I didn't read it. Exactly. So you then know? I checked it out again yeah. and suddenly they had to pay for it again because of me. Like, uh-huh. that's... It's ridiculous. It it makes like God bless libraries, um, because they don't tell you that, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, bless them. It's horrible. However, let's read Penguin Random House. Yeah, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Um, I love the start of this one. Penguin Random House makes up for one quarter of all books published in the entire world. It's horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> The, the like, list of imprints that they list after this is extremely long. I, I don't even remember all of them. They're insane. It's insane. I mean, the, the, the big boys are um, obviously, like, Viking, Penguin Press, Dutton, Berkeley, Gotham, like, uh, all... Knopf, Knopf, Doubleday. Yeah, Knopf, Ballantyne, Bentham, Dell, Pantheon, like, all of it. All yeah. of it. They're all of it. It's all the ones that you you know, because um, they have ed up. They, they, they ed up all the industry. They also control, I think, most of the marketing at this point. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they have the best marketing. They do. They have the best. They actually put money into their marketing because they have all of the money, um, which is another thing that was pointed out in the case where where um, Judge Fan was like, cool. So, so the only way that these these authors can make any money is if they are being marketed. And you are the only people who have the money to market. So you control everything. And you pick and choose. Exactly. You make the best sellers. This idea that it's totally random, which is what they were saying, that's why it's called Random House, fucking bullshit. Like, <laughs> wait, really? Like, that's, that was also a line. Yeah. Well, it's it's no random. And we don't make the, we don't make the best sellers. We never know. Uh, yeah. It's That's why it's called Random House. Oh, that's the best thing you've ever heard. <laughs> They said that on the stand. In front of God and everybody. You're so stupid. <laughs> oh, I don't even think I said fucking dull. He stepped down. He's he's done. Oh, he's I out. bet. There's yeah, there's no way. Yeah, he he uh he officially he quote unquote retired. Um and also uh, Penguin Random House is now being split into two. It was in two, which was the Crown Publishing Group and Penguin Random House. Right. Um, and then it merged in 2017, and now it's um, uh, demerging, like the, like when a cell splits, I suppose. Um, quote to to uh, increase competition between its imprints. Well, they got slapped. Which hard. is still not a thing. I don't care if you're nominally two different entities. It's not a thing. No, it's not. It's also, unless they were ordered to do so, this is not going to help your public-facing image at all. No. 
No, no it's not. I didn't need no. to to follow up to know that he was going to have to step down. Like this is just not how publishing works. It was it was so profoundly bad. It was so profoundly bad. Um, but let's talk about how they license their ebooks, huh? Maybe you'll like yeah, them all. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. We're not. We'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Uh, PRH has perpetual licensing, which means that libraries only have to buy the digital title once and own it forever. Each ebook can only be loaned out to one customer at a time. The average ebook ranges in cost from $20 for a backlist to a ceiling of $65 per title. Oh, come on, man. So they were doing great there, comparatively, and then at the end, they gut punch you. <laughs> they really do. That's, there's, I, I think my biggest problem with this, and I don't know, I'm sure many would disagree with me, but it's the one title, one use thing that bothers me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that ebooks and and everything going digital is a problem for our industry, mm-hmm. but this is also a library. The point is, is to make it available to people. I, you know, and I, and I understand the impulse to be like, okay, we just need to recreate this new technology, but we need to recreate the system that we've, we've been using. We don't know how to do anything different. We, we don't want to change how we do things. So we'll just recreate it. So like a physical book, you buy one, it goes to one person. Has to be that way. But it doesn't. But it doesn't. It literally doesn't. <laughs> And and this is where you get then like okay, you want to stop book piracy, you want to stop book piracy. Okay, cool. I'm with you. I'm there. I'm, I also would like this. Yeah. How about you make ebooks accessible and cheap to fucking legitimate libraries who will pay you for the ebook and then lend it out to those who want it, so that piracy is not fucking necessary. Like it is. It doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't. And it's it's just going to benefit. It's going to benefit everyone. I know I know me saying this might hurt my store, but I don't I don't actually think that at all. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think I don't think so at all. I think that the people who want to buy the book are going to buy the book. Yeah, I don't know anybody who who goes to libraries to the exclusion of purchasing books like that. That's that's not book. People aren't aren't that way book people are magpies they they read at the library and a lot of times they'll come and buy it like um yeah so it's just like this this sent me on like this doom spiral of being like fuck fuck this blows yeah that sucks i mean i've said we talked about before too how there's like really and i'm now kind of thinking that publishers are doing this on purpose but there is a, a big separation between authors booksellers libraries like, I know that we all do different jobs, but we're, mm-hmm. we all touch on the same industry mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. so separate that there are so many things I don't realize about how, you know, libraries work or about how author um, deals work that would be really helpful for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I can start putting like my money where it needs to be and my yeah. support where it needs to be, which is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's one of those things where there's, unfortunately, the only good answer is to go after the people at the top. Yeah. Like, you, you, you should support your authors. Like, you should buy their books, even if they are, you know, published by these shitheads, right? Because the authors need to be supported. Yeah. And unfortunately, yes, you are making these publishers money by buying the book. But also, like, the author 
the author is just doing what they need to survive, right? Um, unfortunately, that's where we're at. You should check out books from the library, despite the fact that libraries are getting these shitty terms, because the library needs to exist and they need patrons to exist to get state funding. Yes. So, like, it is, it, there's no good answer here besides eat the rich. <laughs> you know? That's yeah. it. That's, that's, all, that's all I've got. I, it's, it sucks is that the, that's the answer. I am extremely, like, I, I'm very interested in the future of bookshop.org. Me too. Um, they recently announced that they're doing ebooks. They have their own like ebook. Uh, I'm very excited about that. Like they, I don't know if they've announced any other titles yet, but I know that they have one like literary fiction big boy that they're they're going to be releasing be on their ebook platform. Um, I mean, honestly, something you could do, consumers can do right now is w- when people come to us and ask. Can I buy an ebook from you? I want to support yeah. you, but I want an ebook. Can I buy an ebook from you? The answer is pretty much no. There is a way to do yeah. it, but it's complicated. No one's done a really good job of it. But yeah. bookshop.org, we get a check from them. Regardless yeah. if people buy from us, our like store on their website or not, yeah. we'll still get money from them. And it's a nice little bump. So yeah. Do support their ebooks because we could take it away from the other people that we don't get any money from. If if this builds, which I God bless him, I hope it does. I I am I'm wary of praising any company too much because I trust fucking them. fair, fair. However, <laughs> however, monetarily they are actually supporting independent bookstores, and that's good. Um, and that's where we're at right now. That's all I've got. So if they do continue to do this and they are they have a successful ebook platform rollout that is can only be good for the industry as long as they fucking stay the course and they don't you know stick to the high ground yeah stick to the um, betterment is, of humanity which you know if as you get bigger and bigger and bigger that's understandably harder and harder and harder because money makes you insane um yes. so and apparently you have to continuously showing profit every year. More. Yeah. And more. Yeah. And more. Exponential growth is real and something that can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's how it works. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's grim. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's all. And, you know, this doesn't have anything to do with me, really, because I'm, you know, I'm independently published. But um, you might not be one day. I might not be one day, but at this rate, I mean, I've literally seen authors on my Twitter this morning talking about how they've made more on their recent release of an, in, an independently published book that came out like a month ago in the, than the last like four or five traditionally published books that they've that they've put out. Um, that sucks. So what does that mean for publishing? <laughs> if if that's the case. and And I was thinking about it today and I was thinking about how. For romance, I think the answer is it's going to be almost entirely self-pubbed in the future. Um, yeah. Because that's where the money is. Uh, as 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 institutionally bad as that will probably be in the long run, because there are some good points about publishing, uh, particularly when things like rights and stuff go to court, like we need somebody big a heavy hitter protection. on our side to do that well yeah, on, we don't have a guild yeah and on on, on a, a bookseller side mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to be able to sell your book. And that's a problem for me because if someone wants it, Mm -hmm. like, sure, you can get it, you know, printed, but the terms and how expensive it is to get printed and the fact that Mm -hmm. I could potentially be stuck with inventory because it's not returnable, like, that's just going to hurt our bottom line. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 not there's like I said, there's no good answers here. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do think that publishing is going to get really, really weird because on one hand, romance authors have been doing this for a minute. And this wave yeah. is only building and building and building and the money is being made independently with romance authors who are making more money than they ever have um, because they don't now they don't have to fucking split it. Right. Yeah. However, I cannot I don't foresee a future right at the moment where um literary fiction does well self-published no god no there's too Memoirs? much of it no you can't non-fiction nope. yeah there's no there's no way that so many other mystery sure mystery mystery and like sci-fi fantasy like they have particular devoted fans who read the same things over and over again people who read mystery sci-fi fantasy and romance genre readers are binge readers yeah they read en masse literary fiction is different it's a completely different market they have a completely different reading habits and purchasing habits and i i struggle to see how that will translate well to a self-pub platform um so i don't know i don't know what the future of publishing really looks like at the moment I only know my little corner and I have my guesses, but it is, it, man, the fucking, the, the library ebook thing really got me, honestly. That really got me. I feel like, I feel like libraries, bookstores, and authors need to sit down, have a chat, you know, don't, yeah. we don't have to throw out the big U word cause it's going to f- freak everyone out, but yeah. <laughs> um, there needs to be some, yeah, we got to protect ourselves from like. You know, yeah. the, the corporate part of it. And then we also need to come together to protect ourselves from, like, the government side of it. Because at the end of the day, a lot of us are either make money from the government or are a small business and need the government support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or are independent contractors who need protection from the government from people being predatory. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I mean, this is what we have the laws for you know like this is the gilded age this is was you know the rise of corporations and they will take advantage wherever and whenever they can um and it is only the like checks and balances of unions and government protections and laws like this that keep them from growing too big and honestly to their own detriment like there is a cap for how big you can get before you explode agreed so that's bad for the industry too um, it's, it's a, it has to be a, an, an ecosystem that checks itself, right? No predator can get too big or else it'll devour everything else and then it'll starve. Yeah. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at. So this was like, yay, they got the, the shit kicked out of them and they all looked really bad and embarrassed themselves in front of everybody <laughs> and their mamas. Um, but on the other hand, it was also like, oh, no. <laughs> it's all so grand. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it had unleashed a lot of information that people just weren't paying attention to before, including myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I I was so 
I, you know, honestly, I feel like I was willfully naive. I was like, I, I am, it's part of me that was like, I know that the terms are going to be terrible for libraries and it's going to fucking depress me. So I'm just going to choose to believe that they're like not as bad as what they are. And then I actually looked and I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like in my mind, I was like libraries. It's something we all agree on is like. It's a social good. good. So they, yeah. so publishers should do the bare minimum to support them. It's also, it is, it is difficult. I understand that I sound crazy here, but it is difficult to separate myself from this industry. Knowing that like a lot of the topics that they cover are like unions and how unions are important. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. also really don't like them you know mm-hmm. like how it's corporations ugh. are taking over the world and like it's so funny that we're publishing these things and these topics and yet <laughs> we're the arbiters of culture and social justice and and all this stuff we also don't pay our authors <laughs> like great cool we also awesome. hate unions just so you know yeah we also hate unions <laughs> harper wow uh murdoch baby yeah, I guess. Makes sense. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's where we're at. <laughs> I'm sure this will be a continuing series where just like every six months something new and terrible happens. Or good. I don't know. Probably terrible though. I love um, it. This is great. I learn a lot and I don't have to spend the time doing it. So. Beep boop boop. Publishing news. <laughs> Wait, could that be like a, a segment in your show? I don't think the reason I had to do this all in one episode is because I, mean, I think if I gave publishing news every single week, people would get sick of it so fucking fast. <laughs> yeah, probably. Or the publishers like, would start paying attention and being like, oh, really? Oh, oh no, no. Who are you? Uh, I mean, I'll write a piece for Publishers Weekly. They don't want me, but I'd do it for sure. Uh, you Hire can. Me. They don't pay you a lot, but they'll No, they do not. Most anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Man, I'd fucking work for bookshop.org, though. Hire me! I don't know what I'd do, but hire me. I've got good opinions. <laughs> I got, yeah, I really do want to know more of the inner workings on them, because there's some good stuff. A big profile was just released on um the guy. I think his name is Andy Hunter, who started it. Who started it. it. And I saw a picture of his daughter's hamster today, and it pleased me. Amazing. I, should... I think his name is Agent Raisins or something. It's great. Oh, you should. Can you send that to me? Yeah, I can send this. I can send you a picture of the hamster. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Mr. Raisins that... Agent reasons? I, I, super agent, uh, super agent reasons or something like that. It was great. Um, you know, I want to have hope and I want to, I, I want to back these people. I, I've, I've lived in this landscape long enough at this point that I, I am tentatively hopeful. Um, because boy, howdy, boy, howdy. Have we seen some real catastrophic rise and falls, huh? Yeah. Um, Let's. There's always to... somebody who who's like, I'm gonna do it different, and then yeah. it turns out them doing it different is them doing the same thing, but um, with a veneer of you know self righteousness. But then so. you get rich, and then you're like, oh yeah, why am I doing that thing again? Or or you keep talking when you shouldn't be talking, and you say some shit that people go, oh, so it turns out you're just terrible. Oh, okay, just like oh yeah yeah yeah. So funny. Great. Yeah. I wondered. So, I wondered if it was. That that day when he said that, and when uh, the hearings ended for that day, he walked out and was like, "Oh, I've just lost my job." Huh. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder. I you know, I they had a on the top of the page that had all of the links of Publishers Weekly to the entire trial coverage. Um, 
it had like a an opinion piece that was like in publishing lost a uh you know a pillar of the industry today when he said i was like ah fuck off ah fuck off come on come on everyone needs to learn this lesson and that the end of the day no matter what job you do or how you do it everyone is replaceable everyone is replaceable and also, I have no fucking sympathy. Like, they're like, oh, the industry will be poor for his loss. Will it? Will it? This man is retiring fucking stupid wealthy. He's fine. This bloated behemoth that he has helped make is going to continue how exactly it was going to continue before exactly. with him. Like, this man wasn't hand-selecting his own books to publish and creating a new cultural landscape. Like, fuck off. He was a, he was the CEO of a major company. There's so much self-importance today, and I really don't know where it came from. I think we need to go back to, like, the days of, you know, you know when your parent told you you're not going to succeed? <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to do like, well? Yeah, the, like, the kids should be seen and not heard. Like, you're not important. You'll never be important. Shut up. I think we need to go back to that mindset, especially for big companies and rich people, of being like, you are 100% replaceable (laughs) and you're not saving lives. Agreed. You personally, like, this is not to say that the people who are working in the lower rungs of publishing are not doing a good job. And actually, some of them, I'd say a lot of them are trying to do good in the world. Yeah. Right? That is, this is not about them. This is about the assholes who get on the phone with Steve Jobs. Yeah. Right? This is about them. This is the the 99% of people working below. Most of you are great. The dicks in the fucking boardrooms. <laughs> 10 minutes of my time. Let's lock the door for 10 minutes. That's, I, just got, I just got some things to say. I've got some, some things to discuss with these fists. <laughs> with these fists. Uh, anyway, workers' rights, always and forever. I'm a union baby. Yeah. How about this? Support independent bookstores. Yeah, baby. <laughs> be nice to booksellers. Be nice to authors. Um, if you have creators that you love, no matter what they do, books, art, movies, whatever, find ways to support them directly if you can. Do they have a Patreon? Do they have a store? Do they have, I don't know, donations? Like, can you just spread the word about what you love and why on social media? Yes. Great ways to do that. That's a wonderful thing to do. That is that is good. That's good stuff. Um, it's tough out here. <laughs> it's tough out here for everybody. It's it's really with, I mean, we didn't even fucking get into like AI shit. Um, oh, God. Like, yeah, that's... Like, this, we are on the horizon of a, like, a really fucked up time in publishing and in just creating anything at the moment um, because of these lawsuits and because of AI and because all of this stuff is happening at once. So please, if you can, support the creators and the people who, like you, are, like, selling those things directly to help enrich the cultural landscape of the people around them and the neighborhoods that they they live in, like an indie bookstore does. Um, it becomes a pillar of the neighborhood. Um, like that, it's it's important. It's more important maybe than it's ever been, I think. Yeah, I agree. Support your libraries, man. Support your library. God, please support your libraries. <laughs> Holy shit. 
Oh, God. Yeah. Do a bit of both, you know? No. Yeah, no. you can do all the things. You can do all of the things. No bookseller is going to be like, fuck you for saying, oh, I'm going to go check this out from the library. They I will. have literally looked up things on on the library's website yeah. for people who are like, we don't have this book in stock. You need it today. Let me see if I can get it for you from the library. Yeah. It's here. Check it out. How many people are like, oh, wait, I could get it right away? I'm like, yeah. How do you not know this? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Do yes. it. Enjoy it. If you like I, it, come back here and hang out. I literally helped somebody who was a tourist who was looking for a book to read on the plane um, going home. I literally helped them download Libby in the store so mm-hmm. that they could read a book that there was no way we could get for them. I love it. Yeah. So. Support your it. library. They're our friends. Support your library. And for right now, LibroFM and Bookshop.org. Yes. Do directly support independent bookstores. They do. By donating. Keep a fucking weather eye. But yes. right now they're good. <laughs> right now they're good. So support Trust them. no one. <laughs> Find your local bookstore and yeah. buy what you will. And hey, if the local bookstore is run by jerks, which is entirely possible. I don't know where you live. It, there's always a chance. Um, there are many, 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 many bookstores in the United States that you can uh, patronize and they'll ship the books to you. And a lot of times they have really great perks. Like they have signed books from their local authors and they have cool like goodies and stuff and they sell cool things on their website. And like there are many ways to support bookstores that you do not necessarily have to be in the immediate vicinity of. If not that, then bookshop.org. Exactly. I agree. But also, if you do think that the people at your local bookstore are jerks, not that I'm disagreeing with you, but, like, they might be human have had, had, just had a bad day. This is also possible. This is also possible. Last week yeah. was yeah, the, running the gamut for yeah. rude people at the it's, store. It's, I mean, always remember, it's fucking retail, and people are imperfect and lose their patience. Um, and also, like, personalities don't necessarily always. No, and people that. come off, people can come off seeing totally rude, but they don't mean to. I for sure know that I've had resting bitch face on, and I have pissed a customer off, and I didn't realize that I just was really tired and, like, couldn't yeah. engage mentally or physically with this person. Or, you know, from an author perspective, you, let's say, are a romance author, and you're trying to get a book in a bookstore, and that's a tough sell. I get it. I understand. Believe me, I understand. From both angles, I get it. Um, but, you know, and you may experience somebody being very dismissive of you. And that sucks. Um, or they might offer you shitty terms, right? Um, usually, honestly, as a way to get you to just stop talking. Because they're not going to say yes anyway. But they don't want to say that. Yeah. Um, but also, sometimes, people don't do their research. And so they... <laughs> Do what this one person did to me last week, Kat, which I didn't even get to tell you. Busy Saturday before a holiday. Somebody calls, asks for a book we don't have in stock. I run through the whole thing on how to order it. Do they want to order it? It comes from this warehouse, yada, yada, yada. And we do the whole bit, the whole thing. And then I go, okay, so like, can I get a name for the order? And he goes, well, actually, I work for the author. And I'm wondering how I could get it on your bookshelf. Oh, I hate... I hate when agents do that and publicists and stop, stop doing that. So if you, 
I understandably was a little bit miffed about this. So I got very curt and he asked me who to send the email to. And I just said, you can send it to our info or our email. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, can I address the buyer? I was like, yeah, you can address it to buyer. Um, <laughs> Good for you. Um, Thank you, by the way. You're welcome. Um, and so, you know, like there are, there's a lot of points here where miscommunications can happen and toes can be stepped on and people are human. And also, sometimes people are just dicks and judgy dicks and elitist dicks. And that can also happen. All of these things can happen. But there are a lot of good folks trying to do cool stuff still, even in this shitty landscape. Um, And you can find them actually with relative ease, I think, (laughs) for the most part. So many people are trying just to... So many people are trying. So, you know, if, if you have fallen to despair and you think that bookstore near you is full of terrible people and you know can't afford things or whatever and all this stuff there are ways there are ways there are ways and just take a deep breath and um chill the fuck out for a second um all right cat plug 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 i mean what can i plug that we already haven't True. We've been talking about independent bookstores for a while. We have. We've been talking about independent bookstores and libraries and authors. And, um, I mean, I just want to plug my favorite author in the entire world. I cannot tell you how much I admire, how much I love the writing of this author. And you should go out of your way to support Abigail Kelly. Yeah, you know that was coming. Oh, that hurt me physically. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, that caused me pain. I love it. Oh. I was going to go on for a little longer, but I'm afraid you're going to cut it anyway, so. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. <laughs> How dare you? I don't know if you You keep... haven't even opened your book box. I haven't been there to get it. Whose fault is that? Not mine. I think I missed the opportunity for you to personally send it to me. Yeah. Yeah, because I... I see you a lot. I was, I was trying too hard to be clever to ask for a separate personalization, and I just, I overthought it. It's okay. I'll think of something. Well, next time. There'll be more books. Yay. <laughs> Yay. Yay. All right. Speaking of, uh, I got a lot of books out. Yay. Books and books and things and what all. Uh, book boxes went out last week. Uh, I was very strung out. Was why there wasn't an episode last week because I did a lot of stuff last week, and I'm in the middle of a month long writing marathon at the moment, so I'm a little busy. <laughs> you're, um, you're doing so much; it's insane. <laughs> yeah, I also just got in the special prints that I'm going to be sending out to everybody. Oh, uh, <gasps> do wait, uh, do, can 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 you show me? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And but no yeah. one's seen it yet, right? Oh no! It, it went out today, so people people oh, see it. it. I wanted to have a, a reaction, you know, and I would be like, "Ooh." I know. I don't think it would translate well. It's hollow, by the way. What? It's hollow. What? Uh huh. Oh. Your girl got holographic prints of uh-huh. Helle's fall. Oh. Yeah. All this um, seems so- like another fridge situation. It's, it's, I love it. That's why you're Yes. So it is, um, it is going to be, uh, going out to all patrons next month, um, which is coming so fucking fast. So fast. <laughs> I have so many things I have to do. Uh, 
Um, also, I have a book coming out at the end of that month, <laughs> May 30th, Strike, whoop, whoop. releases to the world, um, and uh, which is Helle's story, which she's a lightning elemental who appeared at the end of Astray, and her, uh, it's her, her and her dragon boyfriend. Um, and she's really cool. She's very fun. She's a very fun character. And so is he, but Helle's a... Helly's a hoot and a half. Um, so that's happening. I got a Patreon. You should join it. I do a lot of cool stickers and stuff. Literally, so many stickers. Um, my, my fridge is literally a shrine to Abigail Kelly. Yeah, stickers people have, have, several people now have albums full of my stuff. Um, I love which that. Is delightful. They just flip through them and they're like, I don't know how. So I sent out enamel pins, right? Uh, in the book box, people are like, I don't know how am I gonna put this in the album. Oh my god, the pins are so gorgeous! I'm so excited. The pins are cool. They're, they're extremely hefty, um, and you can get one actually because I just did a big Etsy shop update with all of the stuff that I just have like remainders of, just chilling. I have like I put up you know batches of like four stickers and stuff, just random stuff that I had sitting around. I also have a bunch of enamel pins you can get for like twelve dollars, which is not bad for how fucking big these pins are. The pins um, are huge. Put it on your coat. Not only do you have a phenomenal pen, you also have a weapon if necessary. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You can beat someone to death with this pen. Yeah. Um, and they're also, um, you know, there's. I'm doing prints now. I'm doing prints that I print at home that I print for you special. You know what that means? What does that mean? That means that anything that I have ever put out on social media, on the Patreon, wherever... You can request a print of, and I will print it for you and mail it to you. Oh, I love that. For $10. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's really cheap. Mm -hmm. Good for you, BZ. It's very cheap. It's on It's on very fancy uh, art paper. Oh, I know. Um, not. I didn't even have to ask to know. <laughs> I know you, your level of, like, perfectionist quality. Uh-huh. There are some people who are like, oh, this paper feels like a little, like, feels kind of like photo paper. I'm not like, I'm not, most people, I want to say this, this is just a, just a little snobby art note. Most prints are, that you can buy online are done on cardstock because it's cheap um, yeah. and because it's sturdy, which is fine. This is totally fine. Um, however, the quality is not very good. The paper is not archival, which means that it contains chemicals and treatments to it that over time will, um, fade the artwork like it just it just doesn't hold up it cannot be archived for many many years however if you get nice actual art print paper which my paper that i use is 68 pound satin luster paper Ooh. um which is quite thick but it you know it is it is, is not she, cardstock is she, it's not a, it's thick? not a postcard she's a little thick i didn't go with the thickest because i didn't like the i don't like a canvasy texture to my prints mm -hmm. i like a i like a smooth texture um but it is archival, and the colors are gorgeous. Um, it is more delicate. Like, it can be smudged if you, you know, get your fingerprints all over it. So I have a little sticker that I put on that says, find your fingerprints. Um, and I, they come wrapped in vellum. Um, and they're, they're fucking cool as shit, if I do say so myself. Um, so, yeah, you can get whatever you want. Request it. That's I'll do awesome. It for you. Yeah. And that's about it. That's what I've, that's where I've been at. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're wondering, hey, Apco, why didn't we have an episode last week? That's why. I, I'm going to ask. I'm, I have a few I want. Well. I want your covers. That Those are options. I have those. So it's like literally I have slides of all the stuff that I could think of that people might want. But you can request anything. That's awesome. Um, I'll put them with yeah. your other art piece above my desk. Your, your house is going to be covered in my work. 
I'm a fan, baby. Oh, how far we've come, Kat. Oh, how far we've come. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that's the end of the episode. Um, Hope it wasn't too depressing. Hopefully it was interesting. <laughs> yeah. I think it was definitely interesting. Whether it makes you want to, like, walk into the ocean is a <laughs> But uh, there'll be another episode next week. I don't know what it's going to be yet. We'll see. This is, Abigail's in her writing gremlin mode. So I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, you are my favorite when you're in this mood. Thank you. I'm still in my jammas. I'm in what could loosely be classified as a dress uh, that you would yeah, wear you, at night. <laughs> you do look naked from, from the shoulders up, which I do enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I'm here to set a, a vibe and a mood for you. And while I, I thought we were going to get sexy this week, nope, you just save all the really boring, <laughs> unsexy shit for me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. The sexiest part of this whole fucking podcast was you talking about that luscious art paper. Yes. 68 pounds. Sadly, <laughs> You're welcome. Sexy, sexy, sexy. <laughs> All right, well, uh, friends, take that with you into next week. <laughs> Sexy. Sexy sound. Okay, bye! Bye! Kingdom of Thirst is a member of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find all of our episodes and tons of new podcasts to listen to at frolic.media slash podcasts.